Hello, and welcome to Witchy Woman Podcast. I am your host, Danae Sweet, and this is episode 132. Today, I have an amazing interview to share with you um, with Kalem Turner of Fortune by Kalem. We're going to talk all about astrology, your natal chart, and he's going to help debunk some myths you might see online about astrology. But first, let's do a little smoke cleansing and pull a card. Okay, we're going to use a little rosemary. Going to... I'm going to try to smoke away some of this mercury retrograde bullshit. <laughs> so, getting my mic, my laptop, all the crap on my desk. If you hear a bunch of scuffling in the background, it's my cat and, and the dog. They're best friends and they're playing. <laughs> and let's go ahead and draw a card. shuffle again hang on just feel like we should oops and I have like fumbling fingers today can I blame that on mercury okay gonna cut once twice three times and here's our card yikes Okay, so this card is the forgiveness card. Um, if you have the deck, it, this is the spellcasting oracle deck. This is the card where you see this woman staring out over this um, really pretty waterfall, lots of water and a sunset. Anywho, this one usually means uh, you've got a lot of emotions this week, maybe running a little high, maybe a little overwhelmed. Um, it's also indicating looking back. Um, it is Mercury retrograde, so a lot of our past can come forward to um, help us uh, close that chapter or, you know, get some closure on that. So if you have been looking back at the woulda, shoulda, couldas, this is your sign to embrace the feels <laughs> so that you can release them. So um, it's not exactly the most positive card, but um, it does say, hey, um, take some time if you're overwhelmed, um, just a little self-care and maybe look at those woulda, shoulda, couldas with the idea that we're going to look at them evaluate them and not feel guilty about how we reacted in our past because we did the best we could with the information we had at the time, okay? So forgive ourselves for anything that may be rearing its ugly head from our past right now and say, okay, I did the best that I could with the information that I had and I'm here now, so let's get that some closure. Before I uh, get into the interview, I just wanted to give a, a shout out to Kalem and say thank you so much for coming on the show again. It's always an amazing, fun chat, and I always get really great feedback um, on your episodes because you're such a great speaker and have so much cool information for everybody to absorb. So thank you so much for coming back on the show. You can find him on social media on uh, Instagram and Facebook if you go to Fortune by Kalem. So um, without further ado, let's get into the interview. 
Every time I say have an interview, I say that and it rhymes and I totally don't mean to and I'm not going to re-record over the top of it and try to say something else because I'm stumbling over my words today and it'll probably just get worse. So we're leaving that as it was. Cheesy rhyme and all. Do you want to introduce yourself again and kind of tell everybody who you are and what you do? Sure, just now. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, my name is Caleb Turner. I live in Scotland, in the capital city of Edinburgh. I'm a palmist, aka palm reader, a tarot reader, and kind of a blossoming astrologer as well. And I'm really excited to talk about astrology because it's not the field I'm usually talking about. Um, but it's going to be great to have a place to kind of point to, uh, to give all these kind of main points on astrology because it is such an ancient practice. It's been around for so long. But it's so complex, it leads to a lot of kind of misunderstandings when people try to simplify it or dumb it down. It doesn't, it doesn't really work or help us in terms of understanding. Um, so I'm really keen to kind of talk about all these key points that often get brought up in life. And some of them really are the bane of my life and I'm sick of talking about them. <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also excited to kind of give people maybe a little bit of understanding about things that they, they didn't have before um, because it's extremely useful, you know, in, in day-to-day life life uh, across life in general well I'm glad you're here I have to say so for one of my I'm taking classes through a seminary and I had to take astrology 101 and I don't know if it was just my mindset and I was too had too many external structures going on but I squeaked by passing that one (laughs) it was so overwhelming and um, yeah. that's just going to be one of the things I'm not very good at, I think. <laughs> so, well, you know, I, I think you really do have to take your time with that. One thing that you'll realize as an astrologer to, to anyone who studies astrology in any way, any kind of form of astrology, astrology is such an expansive topic. You could study it from childhood till elderly life. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't want to call them an expert in astrology because it is so expansive even if they have a good grasp with it you could study it lifelong and you wouldn't you wouldn't cover everything um and of course with society changing with things evolving and you know you're always experiencing new astrology that you've never uh, experienced eventually then you can always learn something new about it um so don't feel bad if you know you, you feel like it's complex or difficult because it really is if, if you're into real astrology like it is complex <laughs> and we're going to try and keep it very simple here today um by explaining things you know without without visuals especially in terms of the way that the planets work um you know we're we're gonna have to kind of be careful there <laughs> yes yes it was I, it was definitely a, a learning lesson for me because like a life lesson because i am one of those people who i don't like failing anything. I mean, not only anybody likes failing anything, but as far as my, my, study, <laughs> oh, my studies, it like blew my ever loving mind. I'm like, I'm not getting an A. What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. So I had to like settle on, I am not as good as I want to be in astrology. <laughs> It's um it's a progress and you can of course start with your um with your birth chart and we'll talk yes. about what that is in a minute. Yes. Um but I do I do feel like it's one of those things where you can it's the same with any method of divination, but especially astrology, because astrology it really is a science to those who practice it. It's a 
science in terms of study it's an art in terms of perfection it's something it's like piano you know like like all other things if you're not practicing and you're not kind of keeping up with it you can read as much as you want about it yeah. um, but unless you're actually making the observations for yourself uh, and putting it into to practice the advice or, or whatever you take from it the predictions um then you're not gonna you're not gonna evolve with it um but you know it's it's great if you have enthusiasm to to start with <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I put it on the shelf and I'm like, okay, I'll come back to that and, and maybe revisit that when I'm less overwhelmed. So, yeah, and take it, take it piece by piece as well. You know, don't try to overwhelm yourself with everything. Um, I always recommend that when people study astrology, of course, it's great to know the characteristics of the zodiac signs, the energies that they bring. Right. Um, but, you know, start with the basics, start with the signs and then find their, their ruling planets and see what those planets have in common with the signs, but other kind of experiences or energies they bring as well. Um, once you have an understanding of those, then you can apply it to, to things like natal charts and transit readings. Mm -hmm. um, even with the houses, you know, you don't have to overcomplicate things. There are 12 signs, there are 12 houses. <laughs> yeah. um, but there are there are different methods of interpretation for that. And I think it's important to start with a little bit of history with the astrology. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have some people coming to me and they think that astrology is a relatively new practice. It's not, it's not oh, in any way. No. Um, I think our oldest surviving record of a horoscope uh, of a birth chart is, I think, two and a half thousand years old. Um, you know, this goes back to ancient Babylon. It's not, no. <laughs> it's not young in any sense. It predates the Christian religion. Um, it predates the Muslim religion. That is how old this, this practice is, the study of the celestial bodies. Mm -hmm. um, but it wouldn't have even started with the study of celestial bodies. It really would have started with the Babylonians. Um, and their interpretation of the seasons really realizing that different times of years different times of the year would bring in different energies um, and this would not only be felt you know in and experiences but also really based on on when people are born as well and the kind of person they were going to come to be um, i think you know once you observe that and whenever you're observing the change of the seasons you're going to look to the sky oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going to look to see where the stars are um, and where, you know, how the planets are kind of moving and all that. And that's where it really would have developed from. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I think confuses a lot of people is the, the constellations um, and how they relate to astrology, if at all. Mm -hmm. And that depends. It really depends on the, the kind of astrology that you're doing. So I'm going to talk about whole sign astrology. Okay. Um, which is the kind that I use. That is the original method of, of house interpretation in terms of astrology. We'll get to the houses in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but there are different kinds of astrology. You get Vedic astrology. Uh, you know, they still use the same signs, but a different kind of zodiac. They even change the, the zodiacal year dates. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's interesting the different kind of interpretations that you get there. Um, but just going back to... To the history, I guess you could say, um, it would have uh, originated in in Babylon, um, and I'm kind of losing my, my train of thought of where I was going with that one. Retrograde <laughs> <laughs> already. Um, the, the interpretation of the seasons is really where it came from, and I think that's still relevant today. But you have to see how astrology's changed. So, take for example the winter solstice, the beginning of Capricorn season. Mm -hmm. Capricorn has always been known to be quite a conservative sign, 
quite a, almost like a dark and a serious sign because it is ruled by restrictive Saturn. Yeah. And when we think back to winter, you know, back when astrology started, um, people would have had to have been kind of conservative and really careful with their resources, which is kind of how Capricorn behaves to, mm -hmm. to survive through the winter. Yeah. Um, of course, in the winter, things are darker. So we've got darker energy there, Capricorn having a little bit more of that darker vibe going on. Mm -hmm. But even today, that's still relevant, not just because it's a darker time of year, but because we are being more conservative with our resources and finances. You know, our energy bills go up in the winter. We have um, Christmas to pay for during Capricorn yeah. season for a lot of us. <laughs> so it's like the energies are still relevant, but that's gonna apply differently in different periods of time really um, but that's how it would have started it really would have been like interpretation of the seasons the constellations kind of come into it and that they were used as place markers for planetary movements okay. uh, the constellations and the zodiac signs are two different things the zodiac signs are these energy interpretations that we feel. Um, and depending on where the celestial bodies, whether it be you know the moon or Mercury, any one of the planets, um, depending where they are based on our perception, they're gonna line up with different constellations. And the constellations were really named after the signs, not mm -hmm. the other way around. Oh, okay. And I think that's where people get confused because the constellations yeah. no longer match up with these with these signs, these areas in space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, through a phenomenon known as the precession of the equinoxes, I think it actually moves the the signs backwards in that one. Um, and in Vedic astrology, they do corrective astrology, which is why they've changed the dates. But again, it doesn't really affect astrological theory um, because the constellations aren't the signs themselves. They were simply place markers for them, right. uh, if that makes sense, based mm -hmm. on the, the planetary movements. Um, I think that's where people get a lot of confusion around it, especially because people commonly know um, their zodiac sign. They, they refer to it as a star sign, <laughs> yeah. which I think that, I think that terminology was invented in the 1930s, you know, for, for yeah. newspaper horoscopes. It's a real kind of simplified version of a, of a sun sign horoscope. Um, so not helpful. No. <laughs> I'm not saying the constellations are totally irrelevant all the time. It does depend on what kind of astrology you're doing, but the, yeah. the constellations and the signs are not necessarily the same thing okay. anymore or ever really. <laughs> right. Well, that is, a, that's a, I'm always, this is what I, before we go forward, you're talking about like the, the signs moving, you know, how many times a month I see, um, that Facebook post about like news bulletin, everybody's Zodiac is different because the dates have <laughs> changed and blah, blah, blah. And I have somebody asking me about that and I just tell them I ignore it. So is, I mean, it doesn't actually change your zodiac sign or the time of your birth. If you're talking about whole sign uh, astrology, um, and we'll talk about the difference between that and Placidus, the more common form in a minute, mm -hmm. nothing has changed. Okay. Um, there is no there is no new constellation and the constellations do yeah. not make the signs. Right. Um, you know, if we're talking about a horoscope, any kind of horoscope or well, a birth chart, you can think of it as 12 divisions of the sky. And the, the sign that's coming over the eastern horizon at your time of birth, this would be known as the first house, ascendant or, or rising sign. In whole sign, we base all of the houses 
-hmm. on that first line and they kind of follow consecutively. Mm -hmm. There are, I think there are 88 known constellations uh, out there in our galaxy. Um, and of course, they're not all included in the in the zodiac. It was really just the ones that were kind of on the cycle of the planets that we could say, okay, well, when the planet's here, it's lining up with that constellation, so it's this sign. Okay. But it wasn't it wasn't the constellation making that sign. It is that area right. of, of space where that planet moves through, or the celestial body moves through, um, with our perception rather than the the constellation being that sign so it's not like we can just add in a 13th sign i mean it wouldn't make sense to any astrological theory okay um especially in whole sign we divide the chart into 12 equal houses of 30 degrees each to make a full you know 360 uh circle it's the shape of a horoscope Uh um and you know i never worried too much about it anyway i've I've never looked much into i think it's called ophiuchus or um whatever they, they named the 13th yeah. apparent zodiac sign um because it's not realistic in terms of astrological theory it doesn't match up and i think a lot of people say oh well nasa said it nasa discovered it nasa are not astrologers no <laughs> they're not they are they are astronomers but yes. and those two things were once very connected but they're two very different fields yeah. it's kind of like going um you know to a to a jewish temple and asking them about Christianity and the life of Jesus um you know it's it's not it's not the same thing and these people are kind of hell-bent on disproving or giving misinformation about the practice itself so you're best to try and find like an actual neutral source you know do your own research um or go with people who actually study astrology right that's why I wanted to bring it up because I've had other people ask me I'm like I think it's just crap and I ignore it is what I told them so Another another thing that I kind of looked at, because I knew we were going to talk about the myth of the the, the 13th sign. Um, you know, it's the sign of the snake, I think they call it. And I was kind of looking up, well, what are the energies that this Ophiuchus brings? Like, what yeah. is it? And I believe they say that it actually starts now at the end of um, Scorpio season and finishes uh, at the end of Sagittarius season. And when I looked up the traits for this zodiac sign, it was literally just a mix of Scorpio and Sagittarius, it was just a mix of those seasons. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, the people who would say, oh, well, I feel like Ophiuchus, I don't feel like a, a Scorpio. I'm like, that's because you do have a mix of those Sagittarian yeah. and Scorpionic qualities. You have all of the signs come into your chart. You're not one of them. Right. Um, you just have different levels of them. So if you don't relate too much to your to your sun sign, uh, it's probably because there's another sign dominating in your in your chart, especially in the way you relate to it. But I did laugh that they they couldn't even like originate some kind of no. energy interpretation for the sign. They just had to mash the two, which they were kind of <laughs> superimposing on. <laughs> uh, thanks, NASA. Whatever. Yeah, thank you, NASA. I'm glad that we talked about it though, because <clears throat> I didn't know an intelligent answer to say other than I think it's crap. So thank you. <laughs> It just doesn't work. I mean, even on many levels, it doesn't work. Even when we, I'm not even sure what element. I think they they said it relates to a a fire, fire element with the the Ophiuchus sign. But the signs in the zodiac, you know, it's it's based on 12 divisions. There's always going to be an axis. You're always going to have an opposite sign. And that's a really important part of astrology. Um, You wouldn't have that if you just threw in a 13 sign. Past that, again, just going back to the basics of it, the constellations do not make the signs. The signs are what they are. They're 12 divisions of the sky. Um, They don't match up with the constellations anymore, but the constellations weren't what was giving the energy of them anyway. Um, They're always going to have their energy and different celestial bodies are always going to travel through them. Um, 
so yeah, put <laughs> the big hole in that one. Don't don't ask us again. <laughs> right. Well, at least we know now. So, yeah. what do you? Where do you go from there? Like, how would you start explaining all this to to somebody? That's new. Sure. So most people are familiar with their sun sign, commonly known as their their star sign, because the sun is technically a star, I guess. It's a luminary, right. like when uh, gives light to us. That's very easy to know because we kind of have fixed dates for them. And to be honest, like they they do change slightly a little bit depending on on how we're seeing the sun. Um, but the the most important thing when doing a birth chart or a horoscope is to get your exact time date and place of birth um you know and we're lucky to live in this modern age of technology where we have a computer <laughs> that right. can go back and calculate you know there are birth chart astrology calculators all over the internet that will give you um your birth chart interpretation i'm going to suggest going with whole sign and you will have to select that because it's yeah. kind of it usually goes to the generic placidus we'll explain that in a bit um, but whole sign is much older it's much easier and in my mind it's a more accurate interpretation of the houses um, the houses are 12 divisions of the chart and each of the zodiac signs will fall into a different one of these houses um, consecutively after the other based on the, the first house or rising sign. Mm -hmm. The rising sign, also known as the ascendant, is the sign that was coming over the, the point of the eastern horizon at your time mm -hmm. of birth. And this will always be on the left hand side of your of your birth chart or your natal chart. And this changes every couple of hours. So that's why it's important <laughs> because yeah. it determines the whole of the chart to, to have your actual time of birth. If you don't know that, you know, if you don't have a birth certificate, and I'm always telling people check the birth certificate because parents usually don't remember. They, right. they usually don't. They think they do. They really mm -hmm. think they do, but they don't. <laughs> um, so it's a little, it's sad, you know, if we can we can't look at the full chart if someone doesn't have their um their time of birth or their place of birth even because uh, that's relevant as well the location but you can still look at the planetary aspects uh for the day all the planets you know kind of line up in terms of different angles with each other um and we call these aspects you know they're essentially positive negative or neutral relationships that the planets have to each other and even seeing what was going on there at your time of birth will give you will give you an indication but the the 12 houses the 12 divisions of this chart they cover 12 different areas of life um and each of the celestial bodies will will fall into one of these houses bringing you different experiences uh same with the zodiac signs those are going to bring different energies to that area of life but it's really the planet uh, and the asteroids that will bring, uh, I guess you could say different yeah, experiences to that, mm -hmm. that area of life or that house. Right. Uh, so if you're ever wondering what a house is in astrology, it's just a 30 degree, in whole sign anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a 30 degree segment of the chart and there are 12 of these segments within a, within a horoscope. Um, so yeah, that's maybe quite a simplified version. Yeah. Hopefully, mm -hmm. hopefully it makes sense. It <laughs> it's does. a little difficult without without visuals, mm -hmm. um, but you can you can easily find uh, visuals that kind of show you the the houses as well. So maybe if you have a little look of a, pic, a picture and kind of listen back on that one, I will say though, 
pole sign, although it's the oldest form of astrology, it's not the most popular currently. Um, Placidus, which is a, a different and more common uh, house interpretation method, kind of found its popularity, I think, in the 1700s, or when I say the 17th century, somewhere, maybe in the 1700s. Um, and that's going to complicate things a little more because <laughs> yeah. the, the houses are kind of all different sizes and the signs overlap in that regard. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say that one is better than the other. For me personally, there are several reasons. We'll get into those why I think whole sign is more accurate. Mm -hmm. But I actually do find Placidus to be accurate as well. I relate to both my charts. Right. Um, and that's not to say either of them are wishy-washy. They're both very specific. Um, but it's very interesting to study the difference. So, you know, I would say if you're looking for easier, mm -hmm. older, go with whole sign personally i do find that more accurate but i also find placidus to be very accurate as well it mm -hmm. just is more complex and it kind of it came out of a time period where you know the only astrologers in the world were academics you had to be an academic there was no computer to calculate the chart for you you needed to be <laughs> mathematically fluent um, and also you know have a great interest in astrology and astronomy um, but that came out at a time where and intellect was really respected. And I think it was Chris Brennan, uh, who has the astrology podcast, talked about how, you know, they kind of respected the more complicated something seemed, the better it had to be, the more intricate or the more, um, you know, it was intelligence was really the thing that was respected. So we wanted it to be more complex in, in that regard. Um, but I don't necessarily think that making something more complex uh, or broad, harder to understand, makes it more accurate. I really don't. Yeah. Um, especially for transit readings, uh, which is the kind of cycle of the planets and seeing where that falls into your, your birth chart or your horoscope. I do notice that being more accurate in whole sign. Mm -hmm. um, but in regards to natal chart interpretation, I think they both have something to offer. offer. Um, and there are other methods of uh, house interpretation as well in Western astrology. Um, Vedic astrology quite different. I'm not going to go into that because I don't, <laughs> personally, I don't relate to it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't diss it. I think it works differently for different people. Right. Um, and it's really, you know, at the end of the day, it's taking wisdom from the universe, if nothing else. Um, so find what interpretation works for you with that one. It's mm -hmm. an important thing to find your own, find your own thing. Right. So when you do your birth charts for people, you use Pretty much, you use exclusively whole sign. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. And there are several reasons why I use whole sign. Again, I do think that although both can be accurate in terms of a natal chart, I notice whole sign being more accurate, mm -hmm. um, whether it be through natal chart or, or transit readings. Um, the other, I, I, I do think that it's pretty cool that it's, you know, the oldest form <laughs> and yeah. that it happens to be easier to understand. That's a bonus. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons, and it's actually the way I started out in astrology was through palmistry, um, through palm reading, uh, you know, because we divide the hand into to different sections and name them and characterize them for the planets. Mm -hmm. I always, always, always see a correlation between what is going on in a person's hand and their whole sign natal chart. Yeah. Often that is true for Placidus, often, but not okay. always. Really? The fact yeah. that I see it correlating always 100% of the time <laughs> for every person on this planet yeah. <laughs> uh, between whole sign and, and what's going on in the hand, that to me is scientific and the systems are kind of validating each other. Okay. Um, I'm writing a book on Palmish 
tree right now and I've I've finished the astrology chapter now <laughs> but now that I've finished it I'm like oh my gosh that's just a chapter explaining how now I need to do a separate book <laughs> really really going into the different examples of how that happens you know with with photographs and also um natal charts as well because it's mm -hmm. it's fascinating and the way that these two these two sciences and I'm going to say they're a science um, from my perspective, you know, because we do study it from a scientific standpoint as well as intuitive, um, they validate each other. And to me, that's incredible. Um, to me, that is proof mm -hmm. <laughs> of the macro, the macrocosm, you know, the universe, astrology um, being found with the microcosm in your hands, you know, yeah, literally and the, the lines of your palms and the shape of your uh, palms, the different mounts in your hand. Um, that's where it really kind of seals the deal for me, just because I, I was a palmist before I was an astrologer. Yeah. Um, but there are several reasons why I would say whole sign is, is doing well. And it kind of fell out of favor for centuries, hmm. you know, and, and I think it really it was only in the 80s um, that it started making a comeback. And it's now I think it's probably now the second most pop, uh, popular house interpretation system after Placidus. I think it would be the most popular if all of the natal chart calculators online didn't just default to Placidus. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, but most people don't know that there's different kind of versions, different interpretations, so they're, they're just going to run with that whatever they're given. Um, and I think a lot of astrologers, old school astrologers, <laughs> yeah. who use the Placidus system, they get a little butthurt when you know, you talk about whole sign because a lot of the reason why people switch to whole sign is because they find it more accurate. Um, and the fact that it's a lot easier, it doesn't discredit the other astrologers because yeah. we don't discredit Plastidus. But, you know, you can understand why it would ruffle feathers if you say, oh, yeah. well, that's great. You studied that for 50 years, but here's an easier version that makes <laughs> a lot more sense. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's going to be some people that get friction with that and they'll argue their own points. They'll say, how could it not overlap? And, you know, how can the midheaven change play it? All this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, you have to go on experience again. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, that, that makes sense. There was, I'm trying to find the questions we had in the coven. Uh, okay. Oh yeah, we did. We did have questions. Did have uh, some. The so one of them, unless you had something else you wanted to talk about next, somebody wanted to talk um, about top three. Well, yeah, th this kind of bleeds into what we were going to talk about next anyway. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I touched on sun sign horoscopes there, the star sign horoscope that you might see in the newspaper uh, or in a magazine or even just online you know different websites people often right. ask are they accurate um and the answer is sometimes probably not always though yeah yeah <laughs> um the the sun sign or the star sign is just one part of your birth chart one very singular part and i would argue it's not the most important chart you know if you were going to do if you were going to do blanket horoscopes for a large group of people, I would recommend, you know, doing it for certain rising signs, uh, yeah. because in whole time, then you would know where everything falls in the chart, because all the signs follow consecutively in their houses, these different areas of life. Um, but people will often refer to their big three in astrology. Um, that's kind of like a trendy, a trendy thing. And it's a good thing. I do think it's a good thing. Yeah. The sun sign being the, the star sign, it's the, the sign that we perceive the sun to be moving through uh, at your time of birth, you know, and this is easy mm -hmm. to monitor because it usually lasts a month and they're kind of the same dates every year. Yeah. <laughs> the sun sign dates. The the moon sign, because the moon, of course, also moves through the through the zodiac signs, that changes every couple of days. Um so that's going to add like an extra layer to it. 
the sun representing your personality on a kind of outward kind of ego expression mm -hmm. um the moon is a little bit more internal we think of that as like your your emotional body really so we've got ego meets emotions and then we bring in the rising sign or the ascendant mm -hmm. um these big three the rising sign again we kind of talked about earlier being the first house in astrology it's the sign coming over the eastern horizon at your time of birth and that mm -hmm. changes every couple of hours yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's again that's where the kind of time of birth comes in but the the rising sign is really rules the house of identity that will play a big part in your personality as well mm -hmm. but it's more based on the perception of other people it's kind of like the way you present yourself to the world um it's often said that that's your personality through the lens of others yeah. um and it can also relate to things like the way you the way you dress, <laughs> the way you present yourself to the world. I mean, that that one's really accurate for me. Yeah. Um, so those are those are the kind of big three in astrology. But of course, you do have other planets taken. You have all the planets taken into consideration. Well, yeah. Um, and when I say planets, you know, I call the sun and moon planets. They're they're not really they're luminaries, uh, but just for the sake of convenience in astrology, we refer to them as planets. Mm -hmm. The inner planets, so Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Um, you know, we do see them as being slightly more influential, um, mm -hmm. simply because they're a little closer and they move a lot faster as well. Mm -hmm. The very outer planets, so Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, they they tend to be generational planets. Um, they move signs much lower <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because they're much further out in that regard. And so we do see them as being less influential in terms of personality. Yeah. Um, but it does, again, it depends where, where they kind of fall on your chart, really. Um, but they are fascinating to read, even in their kind of change of signs. One point that I always like to make is I was born. Uh, so for me, Pluto was in the sign of Scorpio in my time of birth. It was dignified and it's, it's ruling sign. Mm -hmm. um, Scorpio ruled the eighth house, which is all about sex and death. Mm -hmm. And when Pluto moved into Scorpio, this is when we had the AIDS epidemic in the in the 80s um, and kind oh, wow. of going on in the 90s as well. Mm -hmm. So I read, I read a book recently called The Gods of Change, and I, I think that's a really appropriate kind of name for the outer planets. They really bring change, <laughs> great yeah. societal change with them if they're if they're changing sign um, and depending on what kind of transits they're they're going through as well. They are they are still severely important. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of personality aspects, it would be the kind of seven closer planets, inner planets. Um, or ancient planets, we could call them, because, you know, up until about 100 years ago, those yeah. were the only ones we knew about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw some, like, what is it, Pluto? One of those, I saw an article about how it's going to, like, freeze over and something bad's happening to Pluto, but not until I'm, like, really old. I mean, Pluto's pretty icy anyway, um, so I... I I don't know what that's about, but it would be, it would be very icy anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cold as hell anyway. Um, vibes. Yes, I can totally relate to this because I'm, my rising is Scorpio and that's how I dress. Maybe not today so much because I'm tired, but um, the darker clothes and, you know, I like to wear darker makeup and a little more mysterious when I'm out and about. And that's the, the yeah. that I is do, the legend show. I do think it would be more like planets that kind of bring experience in terms of the way you dress in that house. I, mm -hmm. I, I do see it totally playing a part sometimes. So, for example, I'm Capricorn rising. Mm -hmm. um, Capricorn, again, it's that pretty dark sign. Of course, yeah. I'm always dressed in black all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but 
more taking into account the planets, I have Uranus in the first. Uranus mm. is associated, it's kind of like a radical planet. Um, I've heard yeah. someone describe it as the David Bowie planet once, it's a good description. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, but it, it usually brings a lot of kind of radical changes. Mm -hmm. So found in the first house, found in the first house along with the Ascendant, we would see that, um, you know, people would make drastic changes to their appearance, whether it be through like piercings and tattoos, which I do, mm -hmm. or hair dye, or surgeries or dressing in a kind of wacky way the planets really do bring experiences in that regard i think whereas if you were to find something like the sun in the first house um or maybe even venus well we'll say the sun you know they might come across as being a little bit more sunny in the way they mm -hmm. present themselves right. they may be more creative maybe they lean more towards wearing bright expressive colors or really expressive clothes in general artistic right. stuff but it really isn't all just about the way you dress it is more of like an idea of presentation it just mm -hmm. so happens that our identity our personality often goes hand in hand with oh, the way wow. that we dress or present ourselves whether that be for a fashion statement or religious reasons or you know kind of just your identity mm -hmm. um, but that is a fascinating way to to explore it um the first house really does constitute a lot of the personality even though it's said to be you know that's how you are in the eyes of others mm -hmm. um, i do think it is how you are in general especially as you get older you tend to you tend to grow into a little bit more oh, yeah um, and then the other houses are all experiences you know yeah. so the second house finances and resources uh the fourth house home the seventh house relationships there's different areas of life but the first the first house is the house of self or house of identity i would say i think that my jet like i'm a gemini son and if you look in my closet, it is clearly divided. I have <laughs> all of my like witchy clothing that I wear on a daily basis, but I also have like, I have like between, I have like goth witch and then I have like Stevie Nicks on the other side. And it's clearly two different presentations that I, that I use, I guess. But those two are the things that I'm comfortable with. Um, to be honest those both kind of sound like scorpio rising shit rather than gemini but i know <laughs> gemini, gemini is the sign of variety you know it's that one that loves the spice of life it's so versatile mm -hmm. um so that can come across in in many ways really yeah. um the other thing that i think is appropriate to talk about a little bit is retrogrades yeah. um we are famously in retrograde season. Hopefully it's all been going well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm quite Mercurian and you're literally a Gemini, you know, Gemini yeah. being ruled by Mercury. So we experience a lot of problems with yes. Mercury retrograde. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> before getting into the problems, like we should identify what is retrograde? What does that even mean? What does the word mean? Right. Um, it's not just Mercury that retrogrades, all the planets do, bar the, the sun and moon, which again are not, not really planets. But retrograde itself is an optical illusion. It's not even a real thing. No. Um, it's kind of hard to explain without visuals again, but based on the speed of the planets, sometimes from our earthly perspective, our perception is that they will be moving backwards. They're not really, it is literally just a, an optical illusion yeah. related to the to the speed and kind of how we perceive it, how we're seeing it. Um, but they will appear to be moving backwards. And it's at this time that things seem to either get brought back into our lives from the past, 
Um, you know, with Mercury being the most famous one, I think it's the most famous because Mercury is so close to us. It really does have such a powerful effect <laughs> yes. and it, it rules a lot of different stuff. It rules communication, Mercury rules technology, it rules short distance travel. And these are all the things that we really notice mm-hmm. when things start to be tested or go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier this month in the height of retrograde season, when most of the planets uh, we're in retrograde, most notably Mercury, we did have the big collapse globally uh, of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully that was only for, I think, like six hours or something. Right. But it definitely brings people's attention when they're like, oh, those, the astrologers are talking about Mercury retrograde and how mm-hmm. this happens and the week after this happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it happens with all the planets and all the planets have different kind of um, things that they'll bring back or things that they'll kind of mess with. Um, so, for example, Venus, Venus being the planet of love and money. <laughs> yeah. This might be when we go through some repeat lessons, you know, difficulties or challenges with money mm-hmm. or maybe an ex-lover kind of gets back in touch. Yeah. But I think Mercury is the most famous one because, again, it rules communication, it rules technology. So, you know, it is probable that an old friend will get in touch through Facebook or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or an ex will kind of text you out of nowhere. Anything that involves this communication or mm-hmm. uh, technology, or even when you're just trying to get to work in the morning, get the bus and the train and it's delayed and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It just happens more often. But depending which planet it is, retrograde happens, you know, in different variants. Um, the outer planets tend to only do it once a year, whereas Mercury, there are several Mercury retrogrades yes. every year, <laughs> every year. <laughs> so it's good to kind of anticipate when they're happening, you know, mm-hmm. um, even the week before and week after we call the shadow period. That's when, you know, we we kind of start to notice it. And some people oh, yeah. will say that that's an even worse part mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's not all the time. And, you know, it will be it will be cleared up by Halloween for sure. <laughs> Thank the gods. I'm ready for it to be done. This year, I don't know why it has been so, I usually can, I mean, I notice Mercury retrograde and I notice it happening and eh, I have, usually for me, it's technology that screws up, but the last two have just been shit shows. (laughs) Like I have not (laughs) had the best time. Um, So I'm hoping that I'm like putting in all my dues and next year will be better. Yeah, um, it is just good to anticipate. I mean, whenever there is a retrograde, it's not to like mess your life up or anything. It's it's not. They're not trying to do that. No, <laughs> they no. Are, they're simply getting us to revisit the past, reconsider the way we're doing things, um, re-examine this. Don't take things for granted, especially with retrogrades. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's more people even born with retrogrades they're like, what does that mean if it was retrograde in my chart? It's just that the energy is more expressed inwardly. Um, rather than rather than outwardly like it would in its uh, normal cycle I guess you could Mm -hmm. say Um, it is in its normal cycle it's just again it's an optical illusion it's a phenomenon but it's it's one that really kind of affects us (laughs) I think this one was so heavy because we did have a majority of uh, of planets in retrograde but it's good to look as well where do you have these planets in your chart a lot of people don't realize how simple I'm not going to say they're super simple but it's it's fairly easy to give yourself a basic transit reading mm-hmm. um, you know I was talking to you on the new moon uh, we had the new moon in Virgo not long ago I think it was like the sixth or something so maybe a week ago now I think so. um, yeah on the 6th of October so 
the moon itself is a very powerful celestial body. We're seeing it all the time in the sky. You know, it's very close to us and it rules our emotional body. Yes. Um, and if you're a believer in manifestation, you will know that your emotions really do create your reality. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> but new moons tend to, the clues in the name, they bring something new with it. They bring a lot of new energy. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a, an, an increasing energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you when you look at your natal chart, you can say, well, that was a new moon in Libra on the 6th. Where could I be planting seeds for new beginnings and growth? For me, it was in my 10th house, which relates to my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also, the, the moon was also conjunct Mars, which is quite a driven planet. So I was feeling a lot of drive towards career matters and doing something different in that realm. I remember speaking to you uh, and you have Libra in your 12th house, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is the house of solitude and the house of dreams. And kind of, it's kind of like a bit of a confusing house. And I think you even said like you were rocked up in bed, like feeling like yeah. shit, not talking to anybody. <laughs> yeah, I like had my blanket on just sitting there going, I just, yeah, I didn't even know what to do. I drank a lot of coffee that day and stayed in my bed. Sounds very Pisces. I mean, that's 12th house themes, the house of Pisces, you know, but that's where your Libra showed up and was the 12th house. So that was you just kind of aligning with with that energy, you know. Um, For me, I always feel like shit when the moon's in Sagittarius, because that's what's in my 12th house. I don't mean to shit talk the the 12th house, um, (laughs) but it is the house of self undoing, of secret sorrows, of solitude. I've heard it referred to as the black hole house before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is a good one to pay attention and anticipate with. Um, But, you know, look with what these celestial bodies are doing and seeing where that shows up in your chart is is a great way to to kind of start in terms of reading transits for yourself yeah um you know the the moon's an easy one to do the next one will have a a full moon um that's Mm kind of like a culmination point in contrast to the to the new moon so where can we be wrapping things up full moons are notoriously intense of course yes yes <laughs> um that's where we get the term lunatic or lunacy comes from oh, luna yeah. from the moon um and that's you know that's astrology that's not astronomy astronomy mm-hmm. is just touching on nasa again they are very happy to say that the moon has a major effect on uh you know the ocean and the tides yeah. Um, but it won't accept the fact that it has an effect on us, despite the fact that we're made of like, I don't know, 70% water or something. Mostly water. <laughs> yep, exactly. They're fine in saying like, oh, it, you know, the moon has a great effect on mammals, all these different animals, but definitely not us. Despite not us the fact that we, li- we literally have terms like lunacy and lunatic based on the word luna. Yeah. Um, even our our whole lives are kind of built around astrology, you know, our calendar. Yeah. Each day of the week is said to be named after uh, a different personal planet so Saturn is Saturday Sunday mm-hmm. is the sun's day yeah. <laughs> Monday is moon's day and you kind of have to switch it up to different European languages to get it yeah. in the other days like in French uh, Tuesday relates to Mars and it's Marty in French oh. Wednesday I think is Mercredi and it's Mer- Mercury of course yeah. um, but even the word month month comes from moon it's one lunar cycle that's how mm-hmm. long it takes the moon yes <laughs> it's full it's full course so we really are a society built on astrology as i touched on earlier it predates two of the world's most oh, yeah. popular religions yeah. um and astrology is different and that a lot of people consider it a belief system but mm-hmm. when you study astrology you will realize <laughs> it's not so much something you need to believe in 
it's mm -hmm. something that just is there and it does happen. And if you study it, you will see why things are happening and you can anticipate what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Explain why things happened in the past. There is a whole system here uh, to consider. It's just a lot of people like to think of it as a, a belief system or a pseudoscience because the yeah. most they know about it is the, the newspaper horoscope. Right. Um, and they don't feel like an Aries, so they can't be an Aries, but they, they probably don't even know the Aries traits or understand yeah. that they have all of the signs in their charts in different right. levels um so yeah it's it's a fascinating concept and it makes up so much of our lives without us without us even realizing or having to pay attention oh absolutely <laughs> but it helps if you, it helps if you do pay attention <laughs> yes it does and i'm trying i just um kind of wait until my mind and mercury are happy again <laughs> because i was trying to do like um each day and kind of look at what's going on and i do plan like witchcraft stuff I do plan those things using, I, I want to make sure all the astrology is how I want it um, in order to do different spells or rituals or things like that. I do look and make sure that it all aligns. I'm not doing something that would be um, opposing that energy that day or night. But I yeah, I mean... You can let astrology rule your whole life, but it is it is nice if you can sync up with the energies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can you can pull your own kind of horoscope online, just cast a, a chart for the day. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also there's even like astrology diaries now. I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember if it was last year or the year before i think it was last year i had a magic of eye diary so <laughs> um, and they're they're beautiful and oh yeah you know you can even just like flick to the day and it'll tell you the the astrology aspects i don't think it tells you what they mean um yeah. but they're really there are five major aspects and these are just different angles that the planets are finding themselves to each other and they create different relationships mm. um whether they be positive or negative, the most influential being a conjunction, which is kind of neutral, it just amplifies the energy. Mm -hmm. um, we've got sextile, you know, planets at around 60 degrees, that's a nice, easy flow of energy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or 90 degrees a square, that's more challenging. Mm -hmm. um, trines at around 120 degrees, those are nice, those are the nicest aspect, they're really kind of free-flowing energy. Um, or opposition, of course, of 180 degree aspect, because it's the 360 degree chart. Um, right. Opposition obviously being opposing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But you could even, there's little things that you can remember to uh, to kind of remember the aspects for example mm -hmm. sextile um it's a positive aspect you can think the planets aren't having sex but you know that's a kind of clue to show that it's a it's a nice yeah. thing <laughs> <laughs> right or here in britain we say you know if you're gonna if you're squaring up to someone you're trying to fight them oh, squares yeah. are negative aspects you know so there's little ways that you can kind of remember remind yourself there are lots of aspects there are minor aspects to yeah. semi-sextile semi-squares quincunx um but <laughs> just focus on the main five don't try to overwhelm yourself and if you're not there yet that's fine mm -hmm. <laughs> that's fine take it day by day yeah it's a i i, I try to do it and then um I just got so much going on. I think I was just too overwhelmed during that class. So I'm like, I have the book and I, I have all the stuff to go revisit when I have a clearer mind. <laughs> a little bit easier. It is something you will have to study academically, you know, if you yeah. want to pursue it as a, as a professional, um, you know, it's not the same as something like tarot. Uh, mm -hmm. Tarot is very intuitive. And although there's a structure to it, you can kind of be a little bit more loose 
yeah. your, your interpretations. You can put a lot more of a personal spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the planets, you know, they're they're always going to kind of have their have their own meanings, rule their own realms. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do you you do need to learn, you know, the meanings oh, yeah. of the houses, the meanings of the aspects. It seems a lot more overwhelming than it is. Um, one thing that I would recommend or or that I would let people know is that when trying to decipher what the houses mean, you just relate it to the zodiac sign. They mm-hmm. match up in terms of numbers. Oh, so yeah. take for example, take for example the ninth house. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ninth house relates to the ninth sign of the zodiac, which is Sagittarius. And you're going to have a different sign and different planets fall into that house. But in terms of interpreting what is the ninth house means, think of Sagittarius. Sagittarius is all about philosophy. You know, they are the kind of spiritual or or religious sign. And so that is the house of belief systems. Mm -hmm. Um, Sagittarius ruled by Jupiter makes a great kind of teacher as well and so it is the house of higher education um Sagittarius is a sign it loves to travel it loves to go abroad and learn about different cultures and so the ninth house is therefore the house of long distance travel Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's kind of like once you really really know the zodiac signs you kind of know the houses already you just have to remember the numbers and interpret it interpret it as an area of life rather or as an experience in life rather than a personality trait or just an energy because you're already going to have a different a different sign filling that that house anyway to bring an energy to it right the the second part of the the question in here and I think you kind of already touched on it but your planetary placement it just went mute Hmm? it it just went mute okay Hang on. How about now? Yeah, there we go. You. I don't know why it, it turned on by itself. It just said the, the Zoom meet. Thank you, Mercury. Yes, yeah. we know you're there. Hello. Yeah. Bye. Looming over. Yes. No. The Perfect. second part of that question was to talk about the like what a planet. She wants to know what exactly is a planetary placement when you're talking about mm-hmm. your chart. So that's she just wanted a, a, a definition. Sure. So again, going back to what a, a natal chart looks like, it's divided into 12 sections known as 12 houses. And these 12 houses, you know, house one of the signs. If you're doing whole sign, it's one of the signs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing placidus, it could be several. <laughs> yeah. But depending what depending what sign. Uh, that planet was moving through at your time of birth, that's going to fall into one of these houses. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, Mars. Um, Mars, for me, was in the sign of Pisces at my time of birth. And Pisces falls into my third house. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I have a lot of Mars energy come into my third house. It's the house of, uh, well, mentality, really. Things like writing, things like Mm -hmm. speaking. I have a lot of drive towards that. But Mars traditionally is the god of war mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a malefic, a malefic planet um and that falls into my third house which also rules things like early education neighbors siblings um these are all areas of strife or war that i've i've kind of felt yeah. same as if you have um venus so then my venus would fall into uh the fourth house mm-hmm. in the same and the sign of Aries kind of fell after that. Um, that would bring Venusian qualities into my into my fourth house. Um, the planet of money falling into my fourth house, the house of home, good mm-hmm. for making money at home. 
Yeah. Uh, the planet of beauty falling in the house of home, beauty and love, good for love and beauty in the home. Yeah. <laughs> so a planetary placement is simply where does that planet fall in the chart? Which house does it fall into um, based on its, its sign? Um, and again, you can follow the signs consecutively in whole sign because I'm a Capricorn rising, the first house, the next house would then be Aquarius because that's the sign that comes after Capricorn. Pisces mm -hmm. in the third because that comes after Aquarius. Aries in the first because, and the fourth rather because it starts again right. um, after the 12th sign Pisces. So planetary placements are simply where does it fall in your chart? Which area of life? Um, and this is where it's good to know you know, what kind of energy a planet brings. Um, I would recommend that you look at the outer planets because the inner planets get so much attention, but the outer planets are intense. Yes. <laughs> Say, for example, where you have Pluto, Pluto is known as the great destroyer. Um, you know, that's going to bring a lot of intense energy into the, the area of life you see it. And for me, it's in my 11th house. It's in my house of friendships. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of like the, the planet of control to some degree, but it's also a very destructive, sometimes toxic energy with that planet. Mm -hmm. So it's good to look to see where the, where the outer planets going to sit in your chart and what they mean. Oh, yeah. um, because I often think that they are, they are where we need the most work in life, yeah, <laughs> along with along with Saturn. Saturn's kind of uh, an oppressor. Um, but there are some good planets out there, I swear. Venus, Jupiter. <laughs> the yeah. sun, arguably. <laughs> the sun, the sun is good. <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of articles I see pop up right now about Pluto and this country <laughs> in particular. And the astrology of this country and how it's just kind of crumbling and uh we're having a tower moment been having it a while oh uh, um, yes we have that's an interesting point that you bring up though because i don't think a lot of people realize you don't just have to do a horoscope for a person you don't just have mm -hmm. to pull their birth chart you can do it for a country yes <laughs> like the u.s yes. or the uk or wherever you find yourself. Personally, I'm not really into geographical astrology because, you know, I always do readings, whether it's tower readings, palm readings, it's all, always very person-centered, yeah. um, you know, people-based. Um, but that's a fascinating part of it is, you know, yeah. doing it doing it for countries. You can also, there's different branches of astrology. You know, you can do electional astrology, yeah. which is figuring out auspicious dates uh, oh, okay. for certain events and planning that out. Um, I think that's kind of, a popular one actually among the rich and elite who yeah. have always employed astrologers you know from yeah. the court of queen elizabeth to modern day billionaires you know these these people plan their lives out not from a spiritual vantage point with astrology or for self-exploration but for a business right yeah. for a business kind of standpoint and and figuring that out um because it's a good investment in that way oh absolutely you know i and there's a we have, we have a, a friend um of the podcast, uh, Brandy, and she's into that quite a bit. She loves um, pulling charts for the country, or she even has um, done like crime, like when things happen, when somebody is murdered or something, she'll pull a chart for that and try to um, predict the outcome of the trial and things like that, which I find fascinating, way too involved for me, but I find it really cool to see to listen to it anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah that's fascinating and it's a good it's a good use for it as well i mean you'll if you look back on it you will see that most astrologers did in fact predict uh biden for the for the presidential elections um most did in that case i i remember all the time most oh, people yeah. were saying it's, it's biden it's going to be biden um based on his chart and not just based on his chart also based specifically on the chart of um, Kamala Harris, I think, yes. uh, is that is that her name? I'm always mm -hmm. a little yeah, yeah, Kamala Harris. I think in her chart, you know, that was that was certainly auspicious in terms of that date. Um, but it's fascinating the way you see these things line up with astrology as well. Sometimes it's very difficult to tell. I remember when we last had an election and it was, Boris Johnson with uh, Jeremy Corbyn and who was going to be the next Prime Minister of the UK. Mm -hmm. We had the election on a full moon in Gemini. Both of these candidates are Gemini. Oh my God. <laughs> oh wow. I don't know. Something, you know, of course that depends where that that, that kind of fell into their chart specifically. Yeah. Um, personally, I actually prefer to use tarot for predicting that kind of thing. I've always yeah. done, done that. Um, but that's fascinating when I see shit like that line up and I'm yeah. like, how can no one have an, a vested interest in astrology between these two <laughs> Gemini candidates, the most important election of their life happening on a full moon in their own sign nonetheless. Wow. You know, it, it's crazy how it happens yeah I, I think it's I think I like looking at the astrology of events uh especially because right now we are our country is like we are the bad place like <laughs> I think I think the entire like a lot of us are waking up and going holy shit we're the villain we're the bad place like and it's <laughs> and it's good to see us I uh, the tower moment sucks, but it's um, beneficial in a lot of ways. Even if I draw it for myself, I know that there's good on the other side of it. Um, so hopefully, no. We'll see. Most most astrologers, including me, believe that the pandemic, or kind of, I guess the pandemic was the real kind of catalyst into it. But what? we're now in the age of a the age of Aquarius. Yeah. You know, after. A couple millennia on the sign of Pisces. We're now in the age of Aquarius, which is the sign of community. It mm -hmm. is the sign of technology. Yeah. It is the sign of future ideals. And the pandemic really just catalyzed us all into that realm, whether we were ready for it or not. Oh, yeah. you know? We lived life more from a community aware perspective now, how much we need each other, how much we are connected as a collective. Yeah. Um, technology and future ideals, of course, kind of um, play into that a little bit but astrology is never there to to doom us or to make us feel like shit um you know based on our own chart or the chart mm -hmm. for our country or whatever um happy happy indigenous people stay by the way i think that was yesterday for you guys yes it was yeah yep. um astrology is something we can always take wisdom from and grow it's certainly not a fixed fate Mm -hmm. all the time but I do think that knowing you know what's going on out there okay. the kind of movements the astrological movements and seeing where it happens in your chart you will be shocked at how accurate um you know your own life is kind of following with these transits and the way you kind of live them the way you experience them will be based on how you prepare for them mm -hmm. um so that's that's where it kind of comes in as very useful absolutely I think that as a spiritual person, it's important, you know, astrology is important, but as 
specifically as a witch or somebody who practices witchcraft or any kind of even ceremonial magic, whatever you practice, I think it's important to at least know about it or find somebody who does so you can help um, plan some of these things because like I wouldn't want to do just to take it simple I wouldn't want to um, do some huge this is my opinion and I'm sure I'm going to get witches going eh. but I do not try to manifest things on the full moon to me that, no, same, same, yeah, yeah. that's not what I do the full moon for me is all about gratitude and looking back and seeing what I did manifest on the full or on the new moon and that cycle going back. So I do not, I don't do that because to me, that's working against the energy that's present. So that's a real simple. And I mean, that's, that's an excellent point to touch on in terms of magic um, because the new moon is of course growing, especially in the days afterwards, you know, where, where the energy is kind of um, waxing. it is a growing energy so yes. that is great in terms of manifestation the mm-hmm. full moon is a culmination point yes um you know that's for that's really for i don't want to say endings but it is for releasing yeah um and it's also happens to be a lot more intense so it's yes. a lot harder to control <laughs> yes. yes um but i i always do any kind of manifestation work on the days after yes. uh, the new moon and you will find different different interpretations of this throughout history particularly in relation to gardening you know a lot a lot of traditional gardeners would plant on the run-up to the full moon personally for longevity yeah (laughs) I'm always going to plant stuff in the days after the new moon um that would just be ideal you know so it can be applied magically it can also be applied practically to literally our own earth our Mm -hmm. garden uh, you know, whatever, whatever we're kind of applying to it is relevant. Absolutely. I like, I, I recognize the dark moon or when it's at 0%. Like I, I recognize that one and the new moon and, and the full moon. So that day when it's at 0% to me, that's the liminal spaces. And that's when I am going to do more, uh, work with my, my, I call them my beloved dead. I'm going to talk to my beloved dead. I'm going to have a down day where I don't do a whole lot physically, but, but I try at least to use the moon that way, but I can see how using the rest of astrology (laughs) and the planetary movements would also be super helpful. Mm. Just pay attention to how the moon makes you feel as well, because I mean, Mm -hmm. the moon is very symbolic of our emotional bodies and it, you know, not only travels through the different signs, but it also has different aspects to it. It really affects us greatly, Um, depending on the sign. But usually I feel terrible on a full moon. I feel really, really bad up until it gets to its highest point. And then afterwards, when it's released, I start to feel better. Mm -hmm. But I have my moon in the the sixth house, which the sixth house holds a lot of stuff in it, but it's also the house of health. Um, And I do feel that really intensely around my health. on that so see where it shows up in your chart see where your your moon affects you the most um and also of course the the sign that the moon is currently in where where is that happening for you um but it is always going to be more powerful around a new moon or a full moon because these are starting points and and culmination cycles for uh, different energies absolutely 
trying to think if there's any, I'm looking through the group, making sure there was no other um, questions that they wanted answers. I think you like, it's, you've been very thorough. I think we covered a lot. I mean, I'm actually did. surprised at how much we covered there. Um, again, astrology is such an expansive topic. You could never talk about all of it in your lifetime. Like you could never be finished studying. Um, right. And it is, it is a little difficult without visual aids. I, that's something that I find really, really right. challenging for people is that to convey something with words, if you're not familiar with it, yeah. to not then have, you know, a kind of slideshow that we can take you through, even with the slideshow, it's very yeah. difficult. Yeah. If I was to give a kind of suggestion out there to people, um, I've had, oh, what's it called? Um, I've had it for a long time now. Parker's. So there is a, a book out there called Parker's Astrology. I was just looking over to it. Um, I got that a long time ago and I found it very helpful. Um, there's many astrology books out there that you can find that will give you, you know, the zodiac sign meanings and what do the planets mean? And what do the houses mean? You can even find a lot of that online. But I really appreciated the book Parker's Astrology by, I think one of them is Julia Parker. I forget her husband's name. Sorry, yeah. Parker. Um, but that book is excellent in terms of having having pictures okay. um, and not only explaining the history of astrology, but explaining things like the ecliptic, um, oh. explaining things, you know, through through pictures, I guess you could say, because we are a very visual species. Oh, yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, the kinda, I, I do remember the intro and that was particularly great in terms of cutting to the point with things but also having like an actual visual for you so you can digest it okay um but I'm glad that we got to dispel some of the myths and give a little bit of structure yeah. to the history um and hopefully a little bit of how uh, a birth chart a natal chart or a horoscope in general does work for people um it's a lot easier than it looks but it is very intimidating so don't feel yes. bad if you feel like you you don't grasp it out there if you are listening because um, it does just take a bit of time. Yeah. If somebody would like to get their, you do birth chart readings and palmistry and tarot, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, so I am still doing them online as well. I do have some in-person spaces as well. Uh, but just get me on social media, Fortune by Calum, uh, Instagram or Facebook or even email. Email right. can be done, fortunebykalem at gmail.com. Okay. Um, I am not at a place right now in life where I have enough time to set up a routine schedule to book online. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do have that for in-person appointments, but not for online. My online presence is a little bit sporadic, mm -hmm. um, but I am always around month to month. So people can book in if they want an astrology reading uh, or a tower reading or, or a palm reading because palmistry and astrology again they're very connected and if you are a fan of astrology um it's cool to see exactly how that shows up in your hands and where the crossover is um i really i, I do prefer to mix all three if i'm honest in yeah. terms of reading i think it's great to start with a birth chart and move on to the hands and then finish mm -hmm. with the cards as well because they all actually run on the same system that's another point to make astrology and palmistry are connected tarot is very connected yeah. to astrology as well it's very cool to see how the yeah. different systems bleed into each other. That's the one thing I was super surprised when you did the reading, when I got my palm read, when you did all that, is that my birth chart showed up in my hands, which was yeah. really weird and new for me because I never knew that. I didn't know that that was a thing that, you know, my birth chart could show up in my hands. 
not many people know that and i think one of the reasons why is because people are always or for a long time i've been using the placidus health yeah. system and it does not there are books out there there's one by fred gettings called the hand and the horoscope and in it he says things like the jupiter and the and space is not the jupiter in the hand you know they share meanings but they're not actually connected and to me i'm going to say that's bullshit you're just not using <laughs> the house system that always correlates um mm -hmm. i think a lot of it comes from like a lack of being able to match the systems because the right the right interpretation or the right house system wasn't used in terms of astrology mm -hmm. um, and not a lot of people have made a go and had the patience to figure out of how does that manifest yeah. in the hand exactly it always does um so again probably next year i'm hoping uh my book will be published i don't know how long it's going to take to get released but i'm going to have to write a whole separate book on it because you know we've been uh, talking for an hour and we really just scratched the basics here. right <laughs> yes well i'm excited do you have a working title yet or untitled for my book mm -hmm. do you have a working title yeah yeah i do i'll tell you when we're not recording because i don't want <laughs> someone to steal it don't right? trademark that yeah, you should. Yeah. I've got I've got names for all my books, even the ones that haven't been written yet. I know. I and it's funny, like I have no no desire, no desire to write a book on witchcraft. None. But I have fiction books in my head that just have not gotten out. And I have titles, I have like outlines for them, and just not sat down and actually finished. Um, but I do have That's titles. Cool. Yeah, I think it, for a lot of people, you're either one or the other. Eh? You're either writing on theories and techniques, or you're writing through a creative through a creative means of writing, if it's fantasy or whatever. Yeah. Um, I love both, but I can't I can't do any kind of fiction writing. I have to be writing about these systems. Well, that's your calling. That's definitely your niche and what you're good at. Well, thank you for helping dispel a bunch of myths and clearing up some astrology for us i appreciate you coming on and sharing thanks for the chat it's nice to um it's nice to now have a place that i can point that i can say if you want to know about that yeah <laughs> just just head on over exactly we talked about that but i don't have the time to explain it to you again <laughs> there you go this is perfect then well thank you so much Let me... thanks for having me well, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, I always love our chats. Um, again, if you'd like to get a hold of Caleb to book any kind of, he's got tarot reading, palmistry, and uh, astrology. I have had all three of those things <laughs> booked and done by him. And each experience was absolutely amazing, super insightful, and I'm learning so much. Um, you can go to Instagram or Facebook and go to uh, Fortune by Calum. And I'll have all the links in the show notes in case that you're driving or something and can't write this down. But I will have it there just for you. I also want to say thank you to all the magical mentoring students that signed up for this semester. I am, we are, let's see, we're in week two and it's already, I'm loving the interactions with each other and, and the class is just really fun. So I want to say thank you guys for signing up and trusting me with your journey. And thank you to everybody that's taking the individual courses as well. Um, right now I have got a empath management class, teaches you all about how inner, how you can manage your energy. Even if you don't think you're an uh, empath, this is going to still teach you how to manage your energy and keep yours yours and everybody else's theirs. Um, I've also got a uh, 
energetic body and chakra um, class as well. It's going to teach you about all the energetic centers, not all of them, seven of them. Seven chakras, the energetic centers, what they do, how they work, some oils and things that you can use to help um, balance them. Um, so check that out if you're interested. And I also just added a potions class. Yep, potions. It's got all kinds of my very personal recipes for oil blends, some bath teas, and even some beverages. I go over some safety and best practices in my experience and um, I give you those recipes. So sign up for that if you're interested. Um, go to witchywomanpodcast.com. Click on WW Academy. I'll be adding new individual courses probably monthly. So um, get on our newsletter and stay in touch. Okay. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. And that's all I got until next time. So stay witchy. Bye-bye.